there with Killing the Business Worldwide. After last night's episode, I'm surprised that I'm not shut down because it was a lot of F-words flying left to right. But oh. that was yesterday. and This is tonight, nevertheless. And this is your main event of the evening with the 60-minute time limit. The man in charge of this episode is your host, Vic Muscat. We have always, coming on weekly, our friend Mad Mex. How are you doing, sir? Doing all right. Doing all right. And today, our guest, third time he's back on. I must have made a great impression on him the first two times. Oh, the yeah. very talented author, actor, and horror expert, Ronnie Angel. How you doing, sir? Thank you so much for the awesome introduction. I'm doing great, man. How are you holding up? Uh, I'm a whole hell of a lot better than I was a couple weeks ago. Jesus Christ. Oh, no lie. Yeah, no kidding, man. I'm glad you're feeling better. Definitely. Yeah, Mexico was to, my wife or him messaged each other and she told him to download. So he knows how sick I really was and it wasn't good. Definitely, man. I mean, he was like this right now. And I was waiting for him to give me the message for who we had that coming up that week. And he's like, dude, we're going to have to cancel. I'm like, okay. He goes, I'm sicker than a dog. And then that was it. Didn't hear anything from him after that. I messaged his wife. I said, how's he doing? He goes, he feels like he's dead. He's not moving. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, damn. Yeah, he was in the he was gone for a whole month. We did not do a podcast. Not do anything. Wow. Well, I'm glad to see that you're doing better, man. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And Mix knows that it has to be a hell of a reason for me to cancel a show. Definitely. Not but three weeks worth of shows. I had to wipe off. It was just. Oh, I get it. I completely get it. <clears throat> no worries, man. So what have you been up to these days? I see that you're doing some acting here and there. Yeah, yeah, I have been. I've, I've been keeping pretty busy, actually. I um, just got done filming okay. a movie called Clowny. And wow. can you yeah, come here, got, please? Uh oh, it's his technical. Per- <laughs> oh, geez. But anyways, so what's the Clowny about? Clowny is a movie that's directed by Joseph Kelly, and he's the one who made movies like Clown Motel, mm-hmm. and just put out the second one too. So it's um something along those lines, and it has to do with a killer doll, and I got to play uh, one of the officers and act alongside Al Burke, so that was really fun being on the set and just hanging with Al Burke sharing wrestling stories it was just a great time all around see that's the one thing i don't like watching clowns and like little dolls i don't like that <laughs> now that child's play was different for me for some reason i don't i understand but it's just dolls and clowns i don't well you might have a difficult time getting through it then oh i would still do watch it just to see how scared of it oh hell yeah of course, and also you'll be in it, so of course I'll watch it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Man, I... that was fun. It was just a fun shoot all around. Hey, um, what's going on with the uh, world of books with you? I actually just finished a screenplay, and I didn't know how long it was going to be, 
And when I finally read the, the page count, it was roughly 150 pages. And mm-hmm. like every, everybody that I have shown it to has um, given me some great feedback. And I've had people actually tell me that it's not just good. This is like award-winning good. So that is something I really love to hear. I just got to get it in the hands of the right people. Awesome. Congratulations, brother. Thank you. Yes. It's all all about finding the right people. I hear you there. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that's never been done before. It's um, something that people don't talk about. And it's a, a part of history. And um, there, there's a lot to it. There's um, a lot of racism. And it's um, on the Navajo reservation. So a lot of it is stuff that really hasn't been touched upon at all. And I had um, the true story as my blueprint to... Um, so I, I kind of put all that in there. But I also made up my own characters and built story around it. So... Um, Man, I just went to town on that one. And me with my OCD, I had to go back, you know, 10 times and read over it and change things and make things make a little bit more sense. what you're talking about, OCD, man. My wife has it, and oh, my God, it drives me crazy. She'll go to the bathroom, and she she comes back like 45 minutes or an hour later. Bathroom's clean. I'm like, what the hell? You just went, you were supposed to go to the bathroom and twinkle, you know, tinkle. What the heck? That's the way she is. Oh, yeah, I know how it is, you know, and uh, obsessively going over things Mm -hmm. again and again, just to make sure it gets right. So I think in the businesses that I'm in, that is a good thing. I mean, it's probably kind of annoying to some people, but it is definitely a good thing. I have a good attention to detail, whether it be from writing or wrestling or acting. Pretty much everything is like that for me. I have people got a problem that they can go jump off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, it just means that I put a lot of thought into everything. Uh, I usually just say, tell them to go F off, but it's like I used that word so many times last night and wasn't just... <laughs> Uh, oh, I don't uh, mind. Uh, oh no, I'm just I'm exhausted. It bores me now. That, that, that's what it is. I'm just all effed out. So <laughs> for now, the, anyways. For now, anyways, yeah. How's the injury going? Because you were many from an injury last time you were on. Yeah, it's been going a lot better lately, and like I I was on the crutches for a while. And then I was just wearing a knee brace. And a few weeks ago, I basically forced myself to not wear the brace anymore. <clears throat> so I've been getting around like that. And um, I've been doing pretty good, actually. Like this weekend, we walked around Vegas from the Paris all the way back to Luxor, which is um, that's good. not a short walk. It's a good hike, especially with all the people around. Yeah. It. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so stop, go, stop, go, and yeah, that well, would definitely be worth Yeah, and it's funny because where the Luxor is, that's kind of a quieter part of the strip. So by the time that we got back into that area, let's say maybe the Excalibur, mm-hmm. then I I was 
so done with people, man. I was so thankful just to be in a quieter area of Vegas. Do you drink or gamble there? A little bit of both. I, Got to. I don't gamble too much, though. I, I'm one of those people where I'll put 20 bucks in the slot machine mm-hmm. and I'll make it last. And if I do happen to get some money, like um, I think I walked out with 60 bucks, which is yay. <laughs> that, hey, that's a good thing for me because I never win anything. So I was happy with it. There you go. And luxury. It's, it's funny about the luxury. It's like the other side of the strip, it can be hot as hell. And you have to walk from casino to casino to casino to go to the bars. But the luxury yep. is like three, like two other casinos attached to it. So you can go one side, like through a scalper and luxury in Manila Bay. Yep. Get all the bars there, get drunk as hell. It's just, I like that. Yeah. One of my favorite parts is just um, because at the bar, the, the drinks are insanely expensive. Oh, and yeah. I even had one person, I, I think a beer was like 16 bucks. And I said something and he said, yeah, welcome to Vegas, buddy. <laughs> so I was just like, well, screw this. I'm going to go to the liquor store and just walk around with whatever I get. Yeah, it's like cheap to get out there. Then when they get you there, it's boom, $16 for a beer. I remember they I haven't been there for like eight, nine years, but it was like $16 for a mixed drink. Yeah. I was like a speed rack drink. Well, and the thing that I have to laugh about, because I I know how the trick is, Mm -hmm. when I see the people walking around, you know, with those giant like yard drinks and it's already pre-mixed and I've had two of those before in a row and I didn't even get a buzz and those things are like what 30 bucks each so i, I learned quick not to do that yeah but you can just you can say you did it yeah yeah you did it you know it's like so it's like all right you did it once it wasn't good but you can say i did it so eh, yeah people say exactly it's a life experience so you were writing a third book last time you were on Yes. What happened yeah. to that project? I'm actually still working on it. And that's the one about my dad's experience in the funeral business. So I, I did all the interviews already with him. So it's just a matter of uh, transcribing it. And I also decided to interview my mom mm-hmm. and interview my oldest brother because they have a lot of stories as well from working within the funeral business with my so all in all, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm also sharing some of my own stories in there. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty well-rounded book. And I've actually set a, a sequence for myself that I'm going to try to have it done by October so I could get my Indiegogo campaign off the ground. And then I'm going to try to have it released by January. And have the book signing up here in Burbank. Very cool. No, it's just like you had the screenplay and you had, then you had that movie gig. Of course, the third book's going to be pushed back because all these other projects are popped. Were these projects, did you expect these projects to happen when you got injured or was it something that like came up, fell in your lap while you were injured? It's, it's just something that kind of fell in my lap. Like 
it, it was already things that I've been working on, mm-hmm. but due to the injury, I um got some motivation for it. So I've been just like steamrolling through everything right now. In fact, as soon as I get done with this podcast, I'm actually going to go and um do some more writing for a couple hours. There you go. That's right. That's right. It's, that's right. it's four o'clock there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I got time. Yes. Now, who was the producer that you're that you starred in the movie? Or the... the producer for um Clowny? Yeah. You know what? There were so many people on the set for that one. And I'm sure I met a few producers. Um, I actually know one for sure that I met, but there's so many people on the set. Like sometimes you forget who certain people are. Yeah. Like I, I know the director, uh, Joseph Kelly and my castmates and then get to know some of the people, like some of the sound people and okay, things like that. I was trying to figure out his name because it sounds familiar. I did a, a independent sh- movie called Captain Jackson. And Captain uh, Jackson. It, it was, uh, the plot was that the, the, this one guy uh, stole cocaine from uh, the dealer and the dealer was a vampire. So oh, he thought wow. He, and he thought he killed him and they wanted midgets on there. So they're like, hey, Mix, you know, I got a flight for you. I'm like, what? You know, and they're like, got a flight for you. I said, dude, I don't fly. I've never flown. Was, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I got yours out here and all. And uh, thank you, sweetheart. He goes, uh, come to Cali. I'm like, okay. So I flew that time, you know, and he goes, okay, this is what you're going to have to do. And I'm like, all right. So I had to stick my nose in a pile of white powder. And I had to, I had to bring up, you know, I had to inhale it and then shoot it out of my nose. And when I when I get up like this and I threw it out, they put uh, um, Salem lot, Salem slot uh, vampire teeth in me. And oh, cool. So when I went, and I went, opened my eyes, my eyes turned uh, black, and I had those fangs, and I got up and ran off, you know. And they're like, "Man, that was awesome!" I'm like, oh, "Okay." So Very I mean, nice. the name sounds familiar. That's why I was asking if he may have done it. I don't know. I like you said, so many directors, so many producers, and everything on the site. You don't know who you're talking to. So I, I totally understand that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's how it usually is on these sets. Like, um, I just did a music video for Lords of Acid. And it, it was a fun shoot. But um, there was a lot of people on that set. And it's kind of funny because, you know, you're doing your thing in front of the camera. And then on the opposite side of the camera, there's like 15, 20 people. Yeah just hanging around you're doing your scene there's like four or five and you got like 25 people behind the scenes you know you know doing with the lights and getting with the sound effects and all so i yeah i I hear you on that oh yeah yeah it's fun though yeah it's a lot of fun i was gonna say you guys go to do movies with a lot of producers i'm doing a podcast by myself (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't, I don't feel there's something wrong here. 
Wait a second here. Am I supposed to have a producer here? <laughs> get yourself a crew, man. Anytime I try to get myself a crew, they flake out, but that's all right. Nah, you don't need them. You're doing great without them. Yeah, I got um, Impact Wrestling is going to give you some talent to come on. Really? That's pretty cool. But it's like, there's, of course, terms and conditions, like one of which is um, it has to be for like 20 minutes sh- interviews. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm grateful for this opportunity. Fine, I'll take whatever. You know, and he's also, last podcast that we weren't sure about, who we gave the benefit of doubt to, right away open about, hey, did you see the Ring of Honor pay-per-view? And then he's like, don't do that. Just keep other promotions out of this. Da, da, da. And I was like, who the heck would do that? Oh, wow. Like maybe, you know, near the end of the show, when we start shooting the shit and the flow's going, you know, we talk. But no, it's about them. Who the, who the hell did that? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like um, that one of the things that I wasn't really into when I was doing my interviews was um, people that would give, you know, like very short answers. And I, I would try to, you know, keep it rolling and elaborate on different things. So that, that's when you get the best material, I think. Yeah, I, I appreciate that because it makes a very short episode when it's just like, yes, headlock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I totally feel that. Uh, don't you hate that, Max? Definitely. Definitely. So your paranormal experience, uh, it's, have you just studied on it or have you like actually done investigations or? Um, a little bit of both is funny because um, whenever I travel somewhere, I deliberately try to go to some of these places. Like, um, uh, for example, um, say San Diego. And in San Diego, you've got... Um, the Whaley House in yep. Old Town. Down yep. the street is the old cemetery. There's a lot of stories there. Um, there's a big mansion up on the hill. Um, Mont- Montezuma, I believe. Some something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But and then I I just took a trip up to um, Oregon just vacation, and we stayed at the old Kennedy School, which is um this giant massive old school that um was shut down it was abandoned and they they bought it out and made it into like this giant hotel and with several bars several restaurants even as a movie theater and everything but um there's a lot of history there and even walking down the halls like you're looking at some of these paintings like you know doing a double take just like, uh, did they just try to find the creepiest paintings in the world to put here deliberately? <laughs> yeah, so every time I travel, I, I go to places like that. So why do houses become haunted? Like, Well, a lot of it has to do with um, like the history of it, like things that happen there. Um, something stays, you know, like uh, think about Villisca, Iowa. That was the, the site of the axe murders back in the early 19, yeah, 1900s. And I can't remember exactly how many people got killed there, but um, it definitely let a mark. 
And it was one of those things where now it's one of the most infamous spots in the country. And a lot of the paranormal people come out there. It's been on TV episodes. So a lot of it has to do with just like a, a history to it. Like something happens um, violently, usually. And then there's me. And I've lived at places where it's a brand new place, but there's still something there. And I, I've talked with my brothers about this, and we all are on the same page that we think it's because of the business that my dad does, the funeral business. So we think that some of it has kind of stayed with us over the years. And um, we've had a lot of weird experiences over the years. Like, what are some of the experiences that you can recall? Well, one of the things that was interesting when I was writing the, the book is my, bro- my oldest brother, Joey, he has a lot of stories like that. Like, when we were in Farmington, New Mexico, we lived right off of um, the funeral home that my dad worked at. Like, literally, like, it, they were all connected and everything. and. I remember that he built a room for my brother kind of in like the the driveway, put a lot of work into it and it turned out really nice. But there was always, my brother would tell me about the room because there's like like stained glass. They couldn't really see through that well, but if you looked really close, you could tell that there's a room back there. There's things in this room. It's a pretty good sized room, Mm -hmm. but it's completely sealed off. So there is no way to get in that room. Um, We never knew what the hell was in there. But when I was doing the interview with him, he was telling me that um, he would hear like voices calling his name in the middle of the night. And at first he thought it was um, me or my other brother messing with him. And it would happen while we were out of town too. So he would, yeah, yeah. And um, he was talking about like, hearing a little kid like running through the room at night just um, a lot of creepy stuff and when another story that he told me was that when he was helping my dad out on the Navajo reservation that some old woman like a grandmother I guess didn't like him for whatever reason and said some things to him in Navajo and he's saying it's just the weirdest thing you know like sunny day all of a sudden it gets cloudy it gets dark like wind was blowing and he got sicker than he's ever been in his life like uh, I didn't know this until he told me a few weeks ago that he was so sick he could barely even crawl to the bathroom and this went on for several weeks so things like that 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 really makes you believe in certain things yeah that's that's crazy yeah that's crazy so, I, don't know how, I don't know how i would react though it, it's funny because um my whole life i've had things like that like looking back i've lived in three different funeral homes during my lifetime and each time there's always something there like um the last one i lived in was in everett washington and there wasn't really anything that happened to me there, but I, I had an apartment down below 
and is um right on the other side of the cremation room <laughs> so i i was comfortable there and just got kind of used to it but my dad had the apartment upstairs for a while and he was telling me that there's a locked door at the bottom of the stairs it locks from the inside and up the stairs there was another door right there that he would keep locked and there's a they would tell us about like the spirit there named Chester that hung around and like there's a few nights he said that he'd be dead asleep and then he hears somebody pounding on the door to the apartment which is impossible to get to because the one downstairs is locked so he had a lot of stories like that and I remember spending the night at his house one time or at the apartment and I <laughs> it's pretty funny I was reading the newspaper and I saw an article that said that the original house on Haunted Hill was up for sale. And I said, oh, this is crazy. Dad, check it out. And I started to tell him about it. And I heard a door slam. And I literally like, well, what's on TV? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I'd say the worst one I ever lived in was in central washington is a town called wenatchee and we were living in a house that was three stories tall and down in the basement i mean it looked like straight out of a horror movie the stairs leading down there and i remember when we first moved in there we would hear my mom still talks about it we'd hear music playing at night and i would go out the front door listen there's nothing. I go out the back door, I'd listen, nothing. And then I realized it was coming from down in the basement. But, you know, like two in the morning, three in the morning, I sure as hell am not going to go <laughs> investigate something like that. But um, oh, yeah, it was funny. We, um, the basement had a pit area with a drain in the middle. So it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out, you know, what that was used for back when it was part of the funeral home and i remember god my brother was doing laundry there and a window broke um his only one there i had a band at the time and i i distinctly remember we we're we we're doing a jam session above the pit area you know everybody was set up around it and i was walking towards my guitar player and he just stopped and i was like why are you stopping and he just went like that and i was like what the hell are you talking about and i turned and the door i had just walked past apparently it opened while i was walking by it so a lot of people had a lot of different experiences in that house and the the main one that literally everybody in the family saw at one point um we referred to her as the lady and kind of like um wearing a victorian dress had her hair up in a bun i still remember that distinctly because um i i know that my brother saw her a few times my mom um, my dad didn't believe in ghosts actually until one night when he was um sleeping he said he woke up and there's a woman standing by the window asking like um 
something along the lines of um, what's with this young man from Issaquah? I don't like him very much. And my brother was visiting from Issaquah and he got locked out of his room when he went to the bathroom that night. So yeah, yeah. As far as the lady goes, uh, yeah, we all have stories. Like I didn't, I didn't believe in it actually at first. And then my, my ex-wife, she was with us at the time and she would talk about how scared she was of this lady. And I was like, yeah, right. Whatever. You guys are nuts. And I actually heard something in my room one night. It woke me up and I looked and swear to God, there she was standing right at the foot of the bed. And I actually pulled the sheets over my head and I just said, nope, nope, not going to deal with this. <laughs> not tonight. But, I'll just use it later. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, God, I remember, you know, sitting watching TV and you hear footsteps and call out and nobody's there. Um, a couple windows broke. There was, um, we had a cat there who would like run down the hallway and like she ran into some invisible fence and would just like freak out and do like a flip and then run back down the hallway um god we heard the um the horn on the hearse going off one night me and my dad went to investigate and it was a constant honk and we found out that the seat was forward up against the the horn and it's crazy because that used to be used as a carriage house in the early 1900s and there's a little apartment right above it and I would invite my friends over we'd sit in the hot tub out in the courtyard and I'd ask them like hey can you tell me what the window is doing right now and they'd think it's weird and they'd look and they're like yeah it's closed why oh nothing and then like half hour later hey, can you uh, tell me what the window looks like right now? And they look at it and they're like, it's open. Who the hell is up there? Are you trying to play some kind of trick on me? But no, I, I wasn't. It would open, it would close. And you were um, there all that time right there with them? Yeah, yeah, I was right oh. there with them. <laughs> um, I remember <laughs> the the actual funeral home across the driveway. I would go up, um, you know, early 2000s so i would go across the funeral home up the stairs print something out on the computer up there walk back down and then back across and i had two things happen when i did that um one was and this is like straight up poltergeist man the chairs were on either side in a visiting area right and when I came back down the stairs, maybe five, 10 minutes later, the chairs were now in the middle of the hallway. I have no idea what Dude, the hell happened. That's... Yeah, creepy, right? Yeah, it's creepy. But my, I have two friends too, that um, one is my old tag partner, Danny Nightmare. And um, if you ever have him on, he could tell you all about it, that he was passed out drunk downstairs in the basement one night, which is um ballsier than me. <laughs> but what happened was um he said that he, he woke up and like a little girl was talking to him 
and saying, when you wake up in the morning, you're going to be very sad. And he even told me about it before any of us turned on the TV, before anything. He was just telling me like how weird it was. We didn't know anything else that was happening. And turn on the news a little bit later and we hear Dimebag Daryl got killed from Pantera, which is one of our favorite bands. Yeah. So they ain't jumping the stage, Jimmy. What's that? How how did he pass away again? He, a fan a fan jumped on the stage or it was a nightclub. Yeah, a fan jumped on the stage and shot him. And so it was weird that Danny was hearing this, you know, the the night before we found out anything happened. And I mean, neither of us had cell phones at the time. So it was kind of hard to figure out. But um, I, I got to tell you, the, the single scariest thing that ever happened in that house was I had a friend back then, Dino, still friends to this day on Facebook, talk every now and then. But he was crashed out on the couch and he left in the middle of the night didn't tell me, didn't tell anybody. And even though he's hammered, he drove home. And I, I would ask him like, dude, why did that happen? And he would never tell me. And then I finally got it out of him. And it's still like one of the scariest things I've ever heard. He said when he was passed out on the couch, he heard a noise. So he turned and there's like the entrance way here. And then into the living room and there's a big fireplace right here and the rest of the living room and he said a woman he didn't even know about our stories a woman in old victorian dress with her hair up in a bun walked into the room shit i'm getting goosebumps from telling this (laughs) (laughs) but um she walked into the room walked in front of the fireplace and had her nails up on the mantle, scraping them across the mantle while looking at him the entire time. Like, didn't break eye contact. That's and Yeah, yeah. And he, I didn't hear that story for a long time because I just thought it was weird that he left in the middle of the night. And then after that, he refused to stay the night at my house anymore. So I was like, what the hell is going on, dude? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> but yeah, that, that one always scared me the most, for sure. I won't even get into the whole Ouija story. You but, um, go right ahead if you want. Oh, God. Um, well, when I was talking to my brother for that interview recently, um, he brought up that when he woke up the one time because my now ex-wife was screaming in the middle of the night and yelling like who are you where's my husband and the story behind that goes is that one of my friends was huge into like witchcraft and ouija and a lot of different things so he brought a ouija board with him and my god this guy went all out like he even brought like the black candles and everything so we're sitting in the pit area in the basement at like midnight with the candles lit and everything. Um, and I remember asking like, who's there, whatever. And one of my friends just died a year earlier. 
so I was asking questions to this supposedly my old friend and some of the questions were like oh uh what bar did we used to hang out at and then it went around and it spelled out pastime I was like huh that's interesting um what kind of beer did you drink and then h-a-m-m-s and I said that was your favorite beer you always were a cheap bastard and then it spelled out f-u-c-k-o-f-f-t-c I turned to my friend I'm like that's him that is exactly something that he would have said because we we're always fucking around with each other right so that and then I said um well, where are you right now? And it said next room. So I got up, I went to the next room. I'm like, yeah, I don't see anything. So I went back to the the board and I was asking like, okay, you said you're in the next room. I didn't see you. Where are you? And it said, turn on TV. So I was like, okay. And I went over there, turned on the TV and it was just static. And I was like, nah, I've seen white noise. Nope. There's no way in hell this is happening. So I just turned off the TV. <laughs> and I, I went back there and it, it started getting really creepy because my friend, like I said, he's so into it. And the candles, the, the flames on them went like this. And he said, yeah, um, put your hand right next to you where it's pointing. I did and it's ice cold. So I was like, that's creepy and it was about that time that I decided like to go wake up my now ex-wife who was sleeping upstairs at the time and like I, we went up there and I still to this day do not know what the hell happened but um she just told me that it wasn't me like I I tapped her I kind of shook her woke her up I was gonna tell her about what happened and she just like jumped up and was just like screaming like who the hell are you where's my husband and I was just like um sure yeah yeah you got me all right um I, I'm actually right there and she's like no that's your friend Clayton where's my husband and I was just like okay this is a little bit weird um I, I think that we're gonna call it a night so <laughs> But yeah, like my brother remembered her like waking up in the middle of the night and just like screaming really loud. So that's a reason why today you will never, ever catch me with a Ouija board. Because, man, if I didn't believe before, I sure as hell believe now. So those are the the main things that happen in that house in Wenatchee. And just a lot of creepy creepy stuff like like i said everybody in my family has a story from that house so it's not just me all my friends have stories of it and yeah i actually had nightmares about that house for like the next 10 years so that'll yeah, tell you something. Too. yeah forget that <laughs> what that i said forget that I'd stay, stay at a hotel. I wouldn't even go in that place. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's why when me and my ex moved out, we got our own apartment. I would come over for dinner. I would come over to visit. 
but we never spend the night anymore. I don't blame and, you one bit. You got more balls than I do, man, staying there, living there, especially oh, three places. Yeah. Yeah. Three different funeral homes. The one in Farmington, New Mexico, the one in Wenatchee and the one in Everett. And I got to say the one in Everett, I was pretty comfortable for me. Like I always used to joke, like if there's a zombie apocalypse, I'm the safest person in the world because, you know, there's like gates on either end with razor wire at the top. Oh shit! So if somebody knocked on my door in the middle of the night, I knew something would be very, very wrong. Definitely. Yeah. But I, I never had, uh, aside from the experiences when my dad had the apartment up above, I didn't really have any experiences at that place. I know that um, my ex did when she spent the night in there alone. Um, she told me some things, but I was like, I, I never saw anything. I'm, even when I first moved in there, actually, I literally got drunk every single night for about a month <laughs> just so I could stay there. Jeez. Yeah. So, yeah, those are some of my experiences. Why was the um, funeral home in on Everett so, like, so secured with the razor wire and shit like that? <clears throat> that was easy, actually, because it downtown Everett is... Well, it's the downtown of a big city, right? So you can kind of draw your own conclusions. But um, there would be like homeless people. They would sleep underneath the stairs next to my door. Um, you would always find weird shit out in the hallway. Just like, not in the hallway, but in the back, you know, once you get out of the gate. And it was so weird. Just like random things that were just left there, like homeless people and, you know, um, tweakers. So um that's why they put in that security system so yeah i felt very secure there um like i said though the first month i got drunk every single night just so i could sleep <laughs> wow yeah yeah that, man just the description you gave about the victorian woman and everyone mm -hmm. had the same description yeah that's horror movie shit man yeah yeah um <clears throat> now you want to hear something really horrible <laughs> yeah it, it was so it was fun for me Go it was for fun it. for me Go when for after we moved out and got our own apartment my older brother joey was still living there with my parents right because um he was away on his own for quite a while like 10 years and then he came back and what i would do is i would put like when he was there alone like before he came home from work i would put the pillows on his bed with a sheet over him to make it look like somebody is sleeping in the bed and i would put like a wig on like one of the pillows and there's other times like i we had the scarecrow for halloween and i left it in the shower one time so when he used the bathroom in the middle of the night you know it's one of those things where he would have to kind of do a double take and uh, I got him so good. It scared the crap out of him. <laughs> God, I would have a heart attack. I would not be here right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, I have the schizo, the evil clown who comes on the show once in a while. And I 
middle of the night doing my business, I just like, I hear his voice in my head and that's even worse. <laughs> I was like, okay, finish up, finish up. I was going to hide in bed right now. Let's see, let's go. <laughs> yeah, man. But um, a lot of stories. Like, like I told you, man, I, when it comes to paranormal, I could fill a book with my experiences. And Why don't you write a book, like your memoirs or whatever? Or <clears throat> You know, I've thought about it. And I, I actually have written um, quite a few things just on the side of um, my experiences and um, not just paranormal, just life and the wrestling business, things like that. And there's some things that are, make good stories, but it would probably make me or um, more specifically my tag team partner, Danny Nightmare, um, make us look really bad so <laughs> some of those stories i i can't really share to um the mass public oh good boys would be boys they can get over it yeah yeah but um me and him have always joked around though that we were probably the reason why canadians didn't like americans <laughs> things that we did when we were on the road were pretty bad <laughs> Oh, they probably seem worse, eh? Yeah, yeah, but not much worse. I mean, God, I, I remember one time in Edmonton, we um were staying at this hotel that had a strip club in the lobby. So very convenient for us. Definitely. But I remember one time that um the manager came and knocked on the hotel door, and there's a few other people partying in there. And he said, you need to come get your friend. And I was like, I haven't seen him in a while. What happened? And he's like, yeah, he was um, like throwing chairs and things off the balcony. And he was actually like hanging from the railing from the balcony. And so I had to go and I had to, you know, physically grab him and then um, carry him across the lobby, up the stairs, back to the room. And um, actually, I had to carry him like that a few times. <laughs> but I remember that the um, the manager came out and he was yelling at us. He was pissed. And then he just stopped and he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How come neither one of you is wearing a shirt right now? <laughs> and I said, well, how come you've still got yours on? Come on, join the party, man. It's just like, just, just go. Just go. <laughs> you invited him to join the party. What's wrong with that? Yeah, yeah. And um, man, there's times when we would um stop in little towns out in the middle of Alberta or BC, and just like, like we were the party crew. Like we, we had so much fun. Um, one time when the bar closed down in Penticton, which is a resort town right on the lake. Mm -hmm. And I basically stood up and said that we're all going to go skinny dipping. And everybody did. <laughs> a lot of people did. <laughs> and I, I remember the cops got called on us. And, um, you know, I was trying to stay in the water. And I said, I can't get out of the water. And they're like, just here, here's a towel. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, okay. And I was like swaying as the cop talked to me and yeah, you know, um, 
he's saying, you know that you're not allowed to have uh, open containers out here in public. And I looked down and I grabbed a, a beer that was unopened. I'm like, oh, this one's not open. Is this one okay? <laughs> he said, no, no, don't be a smart ass, buddy. You're going to get thrown in jail. <laughs> and when, when we left there, I remember walking across the parking lot. There was like five or six cops out there by their cars and were just glaring at me. And I was just like, hey, how's it going, guys? <laughs> And I opened up the trunk and I got out a case of beer. <laughs> I, I just said, all right, have a good night, guys. So, yeah, we were major pains in the ass for a oh, lot dude. of people there. Spider Nate Webb would be perfect to hang out with you guys. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, we went to do a show one night and he's like, I got to get my shit ready. Right. You're not even mm -hmm. wrestling, dude. What were you talking about? And I see him go to uh, the ice machine, and he's got like four or five buckets full, and he's filling up the tub. I'm like, what the hell? And I, I left. You know, I got ready to go do the show and everything. We did the show. We come back. He goes, it's time to party. He opens up the bathroom door. The fucking tub is full. Of nothing but beer and liquor. Oh, nice. I'm like, oh, spider, no, dude. He goes, come on, Max. I'm like, dude, I'm doing just one. I'm doing just one. That's all I can do. I'll try hey, to keep here. it down. I'll try to keep it down, but I'm doing doing, I'm just doing just one. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, spider. Sounds like somebody I would have hung out with back in the day. Like, spiders is God, man, that dude. And he'll drink. He'll drink from the time we get to the venue till we get back to the hotel. Then he'll start drinking again. And if he runs out, he'll go and get more. I'm like, dude, how can you function? <laughs> you know, what, what's your uh, blood type? Vodka or, you know, or Bud Light? What, you know, or Miller yeah. Light? But he would oh, man. always, always, man, always. I've never seen that man without a beer in his hand. Even when he was commentating our matches, he would. <laughs> That's he great. Would, yeah, man. Oh, he did a drop kick. That was that had to hurt. He was drinking. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, dude. You know what the bad thing is though is the age that I'm at right now. <clears throat> I've calmed down a lot over the years, a lot. Like people that knew me back in the day, they couldn't believe. That I calm down so much or that I'm even still alive, honestly. And like these days I have to plan everything out in advance. I'm like, okay, what am I going to be doing the next day? Do I have to get up early? Um, how am I getting home that night? If I'm at a hotel, it's like, all right, that doesn't really matter. I can get as smashed as I want, but like, how am I going to get home? You know? So I have to really think it out these days. Because, um, man, some of the some of the stuff that we used to do back in the day, like I remember one time, um, I, I can share this one that a bunch of us guys we drove from Wenatchee to Leavenworth, which is about 30, 40 minute drive out in the country, and we had the bright idea of we were gonna hit every single bar in every little town on the way back to Wenatchee. 
<laughs> and I remember, um, don't do this at home, kids. <laughs> but I, I shouldn't have been driving. And that was something that um, I had a problem with back then. I was like, well, shit, I got to get home somehow. Right. But so we were going from bar to bar and I, I reached like full hippie mode and, you know, hanging out the window. I was like, oh, my God, you guys, you got to see the stars. This is so awesome. And one of my friends is like, mailbox. What? <laughs> mailbox. Oh, shit. what? And bam, hit the mailbox, shattered my mirror. And yeah, just <laughs> things like that were were a pretty regular occurrence. Um, one of my favorite stories, though, is that we ended up, we um, did a Canadian tour, came back through Montana, and we were going over the pass between Montana and Idaho, and the engine blew. So we we're literally up on top of the mountain, no cell service. Oh, and shit. rather than being pissed about it, I remember I, I was just like, eh, all right, stick out my thumb. <laughs> and it, that day was an adventure. Like we got picked up by these ladies that were like out for like this bachelorette party. And so we were riding with them. They're like sitting in our laps to the next town. Um, they're feeding us beers. And then um, we got like the, the tow, the tow truck guy, he gave us a ride back there and was just a cool person. And we ended up in this little town out in the middle of Idaho. And um, they, they towed it to a shop, but they're like, yeah, we're not going to be able to do anything for the next couple of days on this. So I looked at Danny. I'm like, well, let's go get drunk. <laughs> we got nothing else to do. <laughs> and we ended up um, just getting hammered. And then we decided to walk around town. And we found th this is a thing that we did quite a bit. Drunken stupidity. <laughs> we found a ball pit like what you'd have at McDonald's. And we're like, oh, sweet ball pit. So we both like dove into it and we're messing around. And then this lady comes outside and she's yelling at us. And I get out and I am like, oh, don't worry about us. We're just big drunk idiots. You know, my car broke down and everything. And she was like, wow, you poor things. Come on in. So, <laughs> yeah. So wow. she ran like a... um like a daycare center. So it's funny, like, um, we're all drunk, like sitting in these tiny, tiny chairs, like, <laughs> like reading kids books and stuff and laughing our asses off. Wow. And she was like, um, Hey, are you guys hungry? What would you rather have subway or McDonald's? And she went and bought us lunch. She let us stay with her. Like, it was a cool experience that yeah. came out of something horrible you know the car breaking down on a mountain pass right so it, it turned out great though and happened for a reason yeah yeah and <laughs> i mean and yeah to this day he's still my best friend and we've got so many stories from the road man so many crazy stories like we, um we should have both hmm? of you on at some point yeah actually that would be awesome yeah. we were called the triple a 
the all-american ass kickers up in canada and we we did pretty good like at one point i had the um the heavyweight title he had like a um, like a bc title and like um we also held the tag championships at one time up there so um yeah we did a lot and people hated us so much that they started to like us because we were entertaining we were irritating and they could tell we were just having fun when we went out there and we would do stupid things every single time we would change it up like one time i had him wheel me out in a wheelchair and you know it, it was supposed to be a main event and everybody's like oh my god i guess this isn't happening and you know he did the round and then i had the mic i'm like you know what i have something that i've got to say and I just like jumped out of the wheelchair and i was like i got all of you <laughs> Jesus Christ. yeah i love that both of you on sometimes real soon oh man that would be amazing if you did i'm sure that he would be down for it too i mean geez i had you on three times already you know let's say maybe four why not yeah yeah so, so go ahead oh i just said there's a lot of stories that we could tell oh, what were you gonna say no i was